Nah, my food time. Hold it up and smoke it. Transgression, a progression of a war we ain't asked for. Transgression, a progression of a war we ain't asked for. This madness, yo. All the things that we could talk about. Call it. But let's talk about these urban circumstances real quick. And basically, it's the and um, we got this. So, revolution. Oh, where the fuck we at? Muhammad is the fame's name. Forever stand. Standing on royal fusing of justice for the few ridiculed by the pale terrorists bent on genocidal obsession rooted in fear of neglection and abandonment fueled by nightmares of ancestors. Truth, because at the end of the day, I still want to be able to to. I don't dislike George Washington. The kind I don't of friends I think our friends should be like my friends. My friends are the kind of friends I think everyone needs. My friends see the things at times I don't see. My friends hate the police. Nothing but the inner child trying to see you. You gonna look? You gonna pick up that book? Lord, keep me far from the space. Guide me through night and day. Teach me your ways. Show me the righteous way to sway. Lord, can you teach me, please? Show me the way. I'd say. Grand Risings, Grand Risings, and welcome back to another episode, another season of the Urban Conservative. Uh, with Chaz Neal, we are excited to have you join us on this journey of thoughtful discourse and community engagement. The Urban Conservative is proudly sponsored by the Leon Block Network, <clears throat> an organization committed to promoting transparency, truth, and accountability in our media landscape. Here at the Urban Conservative, our mission remains steadfast to bring you the latest news directly from the streets, addressing critical topics such as gun violence, crime, politics, and perhaps most importantly, exploring solutions to the profound challenges our communities face. As we embark on this third season, the focus is clear. It's time to actively contribute to the transformation of our communities for the better. How can we achieve this? The answer lies in a multifaceted approach that starts with reconnecting with our core family values. Strengthening our sense of community is paramount, fostering bonds that transcend the barriers that often divide us. Moreover, it involves embracing our foundational roots, recognizing the historical and cultural threads that weave through the fabric of our society. In this season, we're calling for more than words. We seek action. It's a plea to move beyond mere rhetoric and engage in tangible, impactful initiatives that contribute to, to positive change. The, the time for empty words has passed. Now more than ever, we need to put our convictions into action. Together, united by a common purpose, we can make a substantial and lasting difference in the well-being of our communities. So join us on this journey as we explore not only the challenges, but also the opportunities for growth and progress. Together, let's turn our shared vision 
for stronger, safer, and more connected communities into a reality. Thank you for being a part of the Urban Conservative with Chad's Meal, a platform dedicated to fostering change and making a positive impact on the world around us. Shut up and help. Um, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. This morning, uh, I'm going to talk about a few things, uh, but what I really wanted to talk about this morning, and as you can see, the, the title for this episode is called Beyond Bars, Unveiling the New Jim Crow and the Drug War. And I say that because every time that they've ever done anything in, in the history of America, regardless if it's positive uh, and, and, and reinforced Grand Rising, Grand Rising, and it's reinforced, uh, you know, it always turns out not the way that it's supposed to be. And I just wanted to really get more into a history of how gangs, drugs, and all of that interplay with our government. Um, and, and I want everybody to know that the story that I'm about to play you guys tonight, or not tonight, this morning, uh, is actually an uh, investigative report from WCCO in the 80s. Uh, and it's about Princeton, Minnesota. Uh, I, I think a lot of people, if you're from Minnesota, you've heard of this story. You know of this story. Uh, but I don't think people really fully understood how deep this story went. Uh, and, and there's a few things that I want people to, because I'm going to stop it every so about every, because there's four parts to it. So... I am going to uh, add it to the stage and we are going to, so. It begins another series of reports. This week, the subject is a man who calls himself Casey Ramirez of Princeton, Minnesota. Don Shelby has the story. Huh? Say, several years ago, Casey Ramirez, in return, Casey has done a lot for Princeton. He spent a lot of money. Casey claims he's worth $750 million, right up there with the Rockefellers. Yet no one seems to know much about him, and that's exactly the way Casey wants it. Princeton is a town of about 3,000 people, 50 miles northwest of the Twin Cities on Highway 169. Before the bypass was built, people heading for Mille Lacs had to drive right down the main street. Princeton worried that the bypass would kill the town. It didn't. Princeton is thriving. And some of the credit for that is given to Casey Ramirez and his millions. Ramirez is a pilot, loves planes and airports. Two years ago, when Princeton's airport was at the point of financial collapse, Casey stepped in to help. He bought some airport property the city had been trying to unload, paid $92,000 for it. That's more than the city's administrator thought it was worth. The city, in turn, made Casey Ramirez an airport commissioner. He sank a half million dollars in the Princeton airport. He paid for new airport taxiways and an extension of the runway so that jets could land there. Casey flew in palm trees from Florida to decorate Princeton City Hall, telling people he'd make Princeton the Miami of the North. He put up a half million dollars to build a hockey arena for Princeton's kids, took nursing home residents out to dinner and flying in his helicopters. No money in the city budget for police cars, Casey to the rescue again. 
he bought and equipped a pair of rabbits, leasing them to the police department for a dollar a year. Recently, he bought two more squad cars. Ramirez offered the city a computer system he said was worth $200,000, free. A $5,000 copier, free. And he paid for a massive fly-in for the Rum River Festival last year. By his own estimate, Casey Ramirez has spent $2.5 million on his adopted city. A grateful Princeton accepted the favors and asked few questions about Casey or where the money came from. Pretty much uh, the Princeton Santa Claus is everybody puts him. That's about all he is. <laughs> you know, but what he does, uh, I have no idea. I know he's in a computer business, in a flying, something to do with um, uh, airports. Airports. Know where he came from? No, I don't. Know what he does for a living? No, I don't. Are you curious? Kind of, but don't ask any questions. <laughs> for all his flamboyance, Casey shrinks from the camera and from questions about his money. But a year ago, he did grant WCCO's Dave Nimmer and Bob Mannery a rare interview. I'd come to Princeton here. They didn't care what my name was, who I was. They were basically interested in my integrity. Uh, and little by little, this is what means. It's very touching. I mean, we don't have the problems out here of a lot of other communities or a lot of other countries. And we're very fortunate. So I consider myself to be fortunate to be part of this community. After that interview was broadcast, we received a phone call. The caller said that Casey Ramirez was not what he claimed to be and that we should check it out. Because of Casey's impact on the city of Princeton and his close ties to the government, we decided to investigate. And it didn't take us very long to find some things wrong with the Casey Ramirez story. His name, for one thing. This is Casey in Acapulco earlier this year. A WCCO crew was invited along on the trip. Casey registered at the Princess Hotel under the name of Ramirez. But listen to the name he gave as he arranged for some horseback riding. Diego. It was the first of many aliases we came across tracing Casey Ramirez. He first introduced himself in Princeton as Dr. Ramirez. He has also used the names Casey Jackson, Mike Chambers, Dr. Diego, John Key, George King, and Dr. Casey. His real name, Joseph Diego Ramirez, born July 2nd, 1947 in New York City. In the interview with Dave Nimmer a year ago, Ramirez said his enormous wealth was built on his ownership of a patent for an aviation safety device. About 10 years ago, uh, I went to bed with 75 cents in my pocket and my car was ready to be repossessed. Woke up the next morning and $5 million. Just a call from a stockbroker and somebody wanted to buy something that I didn't know I owned. And from there, it just kept escalating. He also told us and others that he was a director of Republic Airlines, that he owns a large chunk of Apple computers, that he owns an aviation company in Boca Raton, Florida, and another, Air Centurion, in Phoenix, and that he inherited his wealth from his parents. None of it is true. The I-Team commissioned a patent search. There are no patents registered to Ramirez or any of his aliases. We checked with Republic Airlines. Ramirez is not a director. Republic has never heard of him. A major stockholder in Apple Computers? We checked. Apple has never heard of him. Boca Aviation says Ramirez is just a pilot, that he does not own the company. Air Centurion was run by a friend of Ramirez. It's now bankrupt. And this is his mother's home in Hialeah, Florida. 
It's listed as headquarters for Continental Republic Airlines, the company Ramirez most often lists as his source of wealth. He formed the Air Charter Company in 1977. The state of Florida dissolved it less than a year later. We have traced Ramirez's history from New York to Danbury, Connecticut, where he learned to fly, to the Navy, and to Miami, San Diego, and Phoenix. Nowhere was there evidence that Casey Ramirez owns any companies. We did find that he owns several airplanes and about 50 cars, and that he maintains homes in Hialeah, Fort Lauderdale, Los Angeles, and Princeton, Minnesota. He has spent two and a half million dollars in Princeton, and he has no visible means of support. Casey Ramirez is a businessman with no business to be found, a millionaire who pays his bills in cash. When one of the contractors on the Princeton hockey arena demanded payment of $128,000 owed him for work done on this project, Casey came up with it in February. All of it stuffed into brown paper bags, $128,000 in $20 bills. Most of the cash comes from Florida. Ramirez's former chief pilot, Gail Vale. He carries his money in his sacks. He carries it in little duffel bags. He carries it in any type of container over and above what you would think a banker would do. Pilot Vale said she flew money missions to Florida for Casey and says she witnessed many others. On one trip, she accompanied Casey and an assistant to a hotel in Miami. I stayed in the lobby while Casey and his friend went up and had his little satchel. And they came down and were very disgusted. Why were they disgusted? Because they didn't get what they wanted. What was it that they wanted? Can you tell me that? <laughs> yes, I believe it was money. <laughs> How much money? I don't know. The I-team has learned that some bankers in Princeton have been subpoenaed to turn over Casey's financial records to the Internal Revenue Service's Criminal Intelligence Division. Casey himself has told friends that he's in trouble with the IRS. And the I-team has also learned that Casey Ramirez allegedly has not filed a federal income tax return since 1976. The man who owns two of Princeton's police cars, one of its airport, the hockey arena, and at one time was a city official, is an imposter. And for the most part, Princeton has not cared to ask for the truth, as long as the money keeps coming. I guess I'm like a lot of other people. I've wondered uh, what Casey's businesses are, and I guess... Uh, if he wanted me to know, he'd come and tell me. Would it matter to you, the source of that income? Well, I guess, uh, uh, not really, I guess. I wouldn't want it to be anything illegal, I guess. But if it's, it's, it's money and it spends just like anybody else's, and uh, that's what we have to look at, I guess. The I-team has asked several times for an interview with Casey Ramirez. He has refused every request at one point saying he couldn't talk to us for reasons of national security. We did talk with Casey again tonight by phone from Los Angeles, and he said that he was too busy to answer our questions, but that he would try to get together with us next week. So where does Casey get his money? It has been rumored around Princeton for some time. So I, I want to talk about how the fact that this man said that he couldn't talk because of national security. He couldn't talk to the media because of national security um as this week goes on i'm gonna really break down we're gonna watch a lot of old videos um 
like this one that we're gonna we're watching today but i'm also going to show you not only the side of the dealers but i'm also going to show you a side of the, the the gangs the in minneapolis chicago um i'm also going to show you the politicians the mafia connections and and honestly where do we sit with all of that today uh i'm hoping that i will be able to sometime this week i will be able to bring somebody on that has done a lot of research uh and is very knowledgeable about all of the, the cia um, assad um and the connections with our government and how the, the, the guns and the drugs hit the streets. Uh, so I'm hoping that I can make that happen this week uh, because that is something that needs to be discussed because we're still dealing with that today. And the fact that, you know, we believe that voting one way is going to change it. It's not because we're voting for the same coin, right? If you're voting Republican or Democrat, you're still voting for that same coin. You're you're not all you're doing is getting heads or tails, right? And that that's all it is is a heads or tails. And I'm gonna discuss that after the video because there's you know we're in an election year, so I definitely want people to to see this, but I also want people to see why we're facing the things that we're facing. Right. Because the reason why I play this, the Casey Ramirez story is because I want you guys to see that as long as the money's there, people don't care. They don't ask questions. So that's why you see. In Minneapolis, in, in, in Chicago, in Philadelphia, this is why. Right. This. Thank you, Robert. And I knew that I didn't want to put your name out there. Uh, so there it is. It, it, it is confirmed. I will have Robert on here this week uh, to go into greater detail about the, the CIA and, and the Mossad um, and our government and, and, and all, how all of this connects, because this is something that people need to realize that this isn't just a community fight, right? Because we our community members are involved, the black church, there's black churches, there's community nonprofits, you have politicians. Uh, this to me is who do, so really uh, why I wanna do this is because we're in an election year and who do we trust? Who can we trust? Who can we trust? You know, I see people, oh, call the DOJ, call the FBI. What does that really do for us when these same people are the reasons why we have those problems in our communities? So I'm going to leave it at that, but um, I'm going to continue with this and we're going to get into it deeper. Uh, but this is going to be something that everybody needs to to listen and to hear. Time that he may make it illegally. We'll look into the story behind those rumors tomorrow night.
This week, the WCCOI team is revealing the results of its investigation into one of the mysterious Casey Ramirez of Princeton, Minnesota. Don Shelby tonight was part two. Don? Thanks, Dave. About five years, Casey Ramirez scarcely made a ripple in Princeton, but abruptly, in 1980, he surfaced as the town's benefactor. His millions helped save and expand the city's airport, built the kids a hockey arena, bought the police department new squad cars. Grateful city officials accepted the gifts and asked few questions. Those who did ask questions we discovered were answered with lies. Ramirez claimed a patent made him rich. No such patent exists. He claimed he was the owner or director of several aviation companies. The companies all denied it. He claimed he was a major stockholder in a computer firm. The firm has never heard of him. He has wealthy parents, some were told. This is his mother's house. It's worth $22,500. So the question remains, where does Ramirez get his money? The sacks of $20 bills he paid a contractor with. The satchels of cash he picks up on flights to Florida. Some Princeton residents suspected from the first that Ramirez might make his money illegally. In this article printed in the Princeton Union Eagle, Casey is quoted from a public meeting acknowledging those rumors. Casey said, let me clarify some rumors. I am not in white slavery. I am not in the mafia. I do not transport drugs up here. Ramirez has never been convicted of a crime. He has been arrested twice. The most serious charge involved a plane. Larry Schmidt traced that story. In 1978, an associate of Casey Ramirez bought a plane in the Bahamas, but a Florida court soon ruled that the sale was illegal. Ramirez's friend lost the plane, a $28,000 investment to the original owners. The Beechcraft Queen Air was eventually sold to this man, Frank Lambie, an aircraft dealer in Fresno, California. One day, a buyer showed up. He says, my name is Casey Ramirez. As a matter of fact, the doctor, but just call me Casey. I says, fine, Casey. He says, I noticed a, a Piper Navajo there. He says, that might be a little bit too small. He says, now notice the Queen Air. Is that Queen Air yours? I says, yes. He says, well, I show some interest in that Queen Air. I says, fine. After a test flight, Casey filled the tanks and agreed that he would purchase the plane the following day. But when morning came, the plane and Ramirez were gone. The plane had been stolen. The plane was found several months later abandoned in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, where Casey's friend made one final unsuccessful attempt in the courts to get the Queen Air back. On March 13, 1980, the FBI charged Casey Ramirez with stealing the plane from San Diego. Ramirez knew about the warrant but he remained a fugitive for eight months. City officials in Princeton knew about the warrant too, but it didn't seem to affect the city's business relationship with Casey. Ramirez was finally arrested at the Deer Valley Airport in Phoenix in December of 1980. Ramirez hired Minneapolis criminal attorney Ron Meshbesher to defend him on the stolen aircraft charge. Richard Anderson, the mayor of Princeton, was flown to San Diego to appear as a character witness at Ramirez's bond hearing. But the federal prosecutor soon dismissed the case. According to attorney Meshbesher, the government dropped the case because Ramirez had an airtight alibi. According to the U.S. Attorney's Office in San Diego, they dropped the case temporarily because they weren't ready to prosecute. The government says it's still investigating Ramirez for the alleged plane theft. This wasn't the first time the FBI had looked into Casey Ramirez. He was investigated in 1972 when he posed as a student on the campus of Western Connecticut State College and said he was a Nixon campaign organizer. Campus police searched him and said he was carrying government identification that didn't belong to him. The case was turned over to the FBI, 
which has no comment on what it did with the case. During the eight months Ramirez was a fugitive on the stolen plane charge, every crime computer in the country listed the outstanding warrant against him. Yet during that period, Ramirez made dozens of flights to Latin America, always escaping the detection of customs officials. The U.S. Customs Service would like to know how he did that. Investigators with the U.S. Customs Service have told the I-Team that Casey Ramirez was and continues to be the subject of investigations for drug and currency smuggling. In 1978, federal and state agents from Florida located a convicted drug smuggler and murderer by the name of William Zambito. Zambito agreed to testify against dozens of narcotic smugglers. He did testify against 10, but then he was murdered in the Atlanta penitentiary. According to records on file with the United States government, Casey Ramirez was associated with William Zambito in 1975 as his pilot. While Ramirez was living in Florida, he was associated with a man by the name of Anthony J. Randazzo. Randazzo and Ramirez operated as a team on a number of flying excursions. During that period of time, Randazzo was given a deal by federal drug agents in return for his testimony against 10 narcotic smugglers. Randazzo told the I-Team recently he knows Ramirez quite well. And finally, there is Gail Vale, former chief pilot for Ramirez. She says she flew or witnessed many deliveries of large amounts of cash between Florida and Minnesota for Ramirez. We asked her if Ramirez ever talked about drug trafficking. He would always come up to me and say, now you might be frisked, you might be stopped, you might be um, searched for anything. And he said, just act cool. And I says, what have I got to be anything else that cool about? But there was this one instance that he said, when we were, I was bringing an airplane to Florida and we were in Florida and he said, I'm, I'm not dealing in drugs, but there may be opportunity that the people that I'm involved with might be. We do not know if Casey Ramirez traffics in narcotics. We do know that he travels with people who do. We know that for several years, the FBI, DEA, the IRS, and the U.S. Customs Service have been investigating whether Ramirez deals in drugs. And we know that the explanations Ramirez has given for his wealth are false. While Ramirez is the subject of all these investigations, the city of Princeton was selling him city property, appointing him an airport commissioner, and allowing him to own its police cars. We'll explore the relationship between Casey Ramirez and the people of Princeton further tomorrow night. Well, this week, the I-Team is unveiling the results of its investigation of Casey Ramirez, the mysterious benefactor of Princeton, Minnesota. Don Shelby now with part three of that report. Don? Doug Ramirez says he is worth 500 to 750 million dollars. He credits his wealth to a patent he says he owns and to ownership of several companies. Those claims are false. The truth about Ramirez is that he spent a lot of money in Princeton, gotten very close to its leaders, been generous and kind to its elderly and children, and is considered by some as the town's Santa Claus. Wherever we have looked for facts about Casey Ramirez, we have found stories of his big heart, big money, big ideas, big lies. And in Princeton, we found big trouble. Ramirez was a fugitive from the FBI for eight months in 1980. Princeton's mayor and city council knew about the warrant. Mayor Richard Anderson signed the contract selling airport property to Ramirez two days before Ramirez was arrested in Phoenix. You know what trips me out airplane. is that both 
they knew that this man had warrants out from the FBI. From the FBI. And they didn't care. So that, that just shows you right there of that <laughs> our officials come with a price, right? That, that, that money rules conversation. Money rules the nation. I used to think conversation ruled the nation, but money rules the nation. Because it literally, when a certain price will make you go against your integrity of what's between right and wrong, that's what's wrong with society nowadays. Because literally you have all these people that knew there was all these red flags, but they looked the other way because of the money. They looked the other way because of the money. That's how it is today. That's how it is today. Because of the money, you have community leaders that will look the other way. And first of all, not only will they look the other way, they're, they're involved in it too. That's what I need people to understand is that all of this is connected. And until we realize that, we won't get anywhere. Because that's one thing that I don't hear people talking about in these Twitter spaces, right? Because they, they sure to quick to call a nigga a bitch, right? But I, I hear a lot of talking. I don't hear a lot of solutions. I don't I don't hear a lot of strategizing. Pardon, fuck strategizing, even organizing. It's all about Trump or, 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 or Biden. Man, fuck them both. Because neither one of them are going to help us. It's going to be us, the people. And until we call out the people that are doing evil, we're not going to get anywhere. We're not. I need people to understand that because if you don't, and I know people have heard of this story. I know they have. Theft. The deal went through despite the advice of city administrator Greg Withers not to do business with Casey. Withers had learned that other agencies were investigating Ramirez. Those agencies were? Uh, the Minnesota Bureau of Criminal Apprehension and uh, IRS and FBI. But because the city desperately needed money, Withers said, Princeton sold the airport property to Ramirez anyway. Casey then took over the fuel concession at the airport, agreeing to pay the city for lost income on that business. And he did pay, in cash. But he had the city administrator, Withers, make out the receipt to Mike Chambers. Why would a person, just guessing here, why would a person want to not put Just, Just guessing, the only reason I came up with was for income tax purposes to hide the fact that you had spent that kind of money. Right. The city did, at the last minute, back away from another Ramirez offer, a free computer to run the town's business, a $200,000 computer, Casey claimed. When Ramirez showed up at the city hall with a computer in the back seat of his car, city administrator Withers called off the deal, he says, because Ramirez wanted to keep ownership of the computer and its program. That computer had gone in. Casey would have had access to it. Yes and all city business. Right, which is another one of the concerns is, is, like I said, about his access to the computer after it was implemented. 
fact is, it wasn't a two hundred thousand dollar computer at all, was it? One of those desktop. It was an Apple table. computer, and they're not worth two hundred thousand dollars. At that time, Ramirez lived in this house in Princeton. He still does. It belongs to Mayor Richard Anderson. The two lived there together until the mayor moved out of his own house. I got tired of him living in my house as a guest, so I moved out. For six years, I've put up with Casey, and I say that in a very friendly way. But Casey is a person that is a, I call him a genius type person where he requires very little sleep. And uh, so it, it became much more convenient for him to just take over the house. He agreed to, in some way, shape or form, purchase the house. And prior to that, we're, I'm leasing from the house. Okay. Um, would you care to disclose for us the purchase price that you agreed upon? No, I wouldn't. Sources close to Casey have heard him say he'll pay Anderson $100,000 more than the market value of the home. In the meantime, while Casey Ramirez lives in the mayor's house, the mayor of Princeton lives in an apartment over the, the Sears store. Casey pays the rent. Richard Nellis is the airport commission chairman in Princeton. He's also an insurance salesman and a staunch supporter of Ramirez and, and his plans for the Princeton airport. According to bank officials, Nellis insures many of Ramirez's 50 cars. Nellis refused to say how many of Casey's cars he does insure. In fact, he refused to talk with the I-team at all about Casey, saying he's still angry with WCCO about a CBS documentary critical of hunters. Yeah, the mayor that moved out of his own house. Seven years ago. Out of his own More house. serious questions have been raised about Ramirez's relationship to this man, Jerry Davis, former manager of the local credit union. Through Davis, Ramirez deposited huge amounts of cash in the credit union. Those transactions, we have learned, are now the subject of three separate investigations by state and federal officials. Banking officials say that Davis allegedly failed to file tax statements on dozens of Ramirez transactions totaling more than a million dollars. Those tax statements, known as CTRs or currency transaction reports, must be filed anytime there is a $10,000 cash transaction. CTRs alert the IRS that taxes may be owed on that cash. Davis denies any wrongdoing. And all CTRs were filed appropriately and properly. Uh, things that I'm aware of were filed. But Jerry Davis was in trouble before the alleged irregularities over the cash deposits. For a long time, he'd wanted an indoor hockey arena for Princeton. There was never money for it until Casey Ramirez came along. Casey he promised to lend the Hockey Association enough money to build the arena, a half million dollars. Based on that promise, Jerry Davis wrote this letter to one of the contractors. It was taken by the contractor as a letter of credit, backed by the credit union. In other words, pledging the assets of the credit union members to pay for the arena. But Davis had written the letter without the knowledge of the credit union's board of directors. When the contractor finished his work and demanded payment of $128,000, the credit union refused to pay. Ramirez had not come up with the money. So the contractor had his lawyer draw up this lawsuit. It charges Jerry Davis, the Princeton Youth Hockey Association, and the credit union with fraud. Jerry Davis then resigned. Could you tell me why you resigned from the credit union? Oh, I thought I'd try something different. The contractor's suit was never filed. On February 13th this year, Casey Ramirez flew into Princeton in a helicopter. He unloaded two grocery bags filled with cash, $128,360 in $20 bills. The contractor was paid 
and the suit was dropped. Jerry Davis, now unemployed, fills his time managing Casey Ramirez's hockey rink. Small town rumors run dime a dozen. They're unbelievable what happens in a small town. There are a lot of rumors about Casey Ramirez, but these are the facts. Casey Ramirez is under investigation by the Minnesota Commerce Commission, the Internal Revenue Service, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, the United States Customs Service, the Drug Enforcement Administration, and three police agencies in Florida. While all those investigations are underway, Casey Ramirez owns the Princeton Hockey Arena, controls the airport and its future, owns the police department squad cars, and lives in the mayor's house. Well, a lot of people in Princeton did not accept Casey's gifts. They kept their distance or asked a few questions. Tomorrow night, we'll conclude our story of Casey and Princeton with a look at the difference between those who did ask and those who did not. Yeah, there's some wild shit. Tonight, the I-Team concludes a series of reports on Casey Ramirez of Princeton, Minnesota. The multimillionaire was pumped $2.5 million into the city of 3,000 people. Don Shelby here with the final report, John. Thanks, Dave. The I-Team has interviewed more than 50 police agents across the country who have knowledge of Casey Ramirez. Those officers have investigated Ramirez as a suspected cocaine smuggler. Some even said they used Casey as an informant on some drug cases. Several high place sources in the United States Department of Justice told the I team that the federal investigation into Ramirez as a cocaine smuggler is one of the most complex ever undertaken on a single individual. A grand jury sitting in Minneapolis will decide whether to indict Casey Ramirez, we are told, by October. Our story about Casey and Princeton is more than a story of one man and one town. In a way, it's a story about people longing to believe in Santa Claus and of competing platitudes. One says, don't look a gift horse in the mouth, and the other, don't take candy from strangers. Ramirez bought the town's police cars, the hockey arena. He pumped money and life into the airport. He put palm trees on the front lawn of City Hall and called Princeton the Miami of the North. And then there are the hundreds of genuinely kind things he has done for people like this trip to Acapulco for some of his friends. Larry Winter and his wife went along as Casey's guests. They owned a local Dairy Queen. City businessmen, city council members, nursing home residents, one after another, tell stories of being whisked away on flights by Casey or enjoying other of his kindnesses. Airport Commissioner Linda Schlieff and her husband Kurt know how disarming Casey's generosity can be. Kurt's got a grandmother at the nursing home that enjoys the flowers and enjoys the dinners. And she doesn't know him, and she doesn't want to know him either. She's just happy. Princeton's mayor doesn't know him either, even though Casey lived with the mayor for part of his time in Princeton. The mayor moved out to an apartment where Casey now pays the rent. Do you care where his money comes from? Well... <clears throat> I guess I, uh, to me, it doesn't make any difference where his money comes from. It's where he comes from. In terms of his giving spirit? In terms of his, his whole personality. Yeah, his whole person. The pol 
Police Chief Tom McCarthy said he felt there was something wrong with accepting squad cars from Casey, but did, even though he knew Ramirez was under investigation by federal and state police. But what do you do? I mean, the guy hasn't committed any crimes, and people come up to us uh, and donate other equipment to the police department, and it's accepted. And just because the guy is under investigation or wants to do something for the city, you refuse him too. Resort owner Sam Haggerty of nearby Little Elk Lake believed Ramirez fabrications and wanted to join him in a seaplane operation. Haggerty and his daughter still idolize Casey and trust him implicitly. I don't really know how he makes his living and I don't really think it's any of my damn business. And I don't think it's yours or anyone else's. And former credit union manager Jerry Davis accepted Casey's half million dollar loan for a new hockey arena, something Davis had wanted badly for the Princeton kids. Davis lost his job. A lawsuit charging Davis with fraud was drawn up after he left the credit union. The lawsuit was based on his dealings with Ramirez. Davis is now under investigation by the Internal Revenue Service for the, those transactions. Some took the stranger's candy, but then had second thoughts and began to ask questions, like Airport Commissioner Schlieff and City Councilwoman Faith Zwemke, who were flown to Phoenix by Casey to see his businesses there. They said they saw very little business and soon grew suspicious. Well, I say that there definitely has to be some investigation done and that the city should stop and take a look at what they are accepting. We haven't really asked that many questions about it. Afraid maybe to ask too many questions? Uh, that could be part of it, yes. Some said no to the stranger's candy from the very start. The management of the Princeton State Bank said no when Casey refused to produce evidence of his income other than sacks of cash. The Princeton Flying Club, a group of local pilots, turned down Casey for membership even when he offered to give them an airplane. He was too aggressive, too flamboyant for their tastes. Former Governor Elmer Anderson, publisher of the Princeton Union Eagle, kept his distance as well. As a former legislator and public official, I really know how careful you have to be when later you might be uh, in judgment upon people or making decisions about things. So uh, I didn't go to any of the dinners or take any of the airplane rides or in any way, uh, though I didn't mean that in any unfriendly way. I, I just, I was, I guess I'd have to say I was being a little cautious until I learned more. Casey took his money and his tall tales to Phoenix two years ago and tried to take over a financially sinking aviation company named Air Centurion. The owners accepted bankruptcy rather than Casey's kind of help. I think all of us, I know I do anyhow, I have, we all have a tendency to exaggerate and so, you know, hey, if you can impress the natives, what the hell. Sure. And, uh, those of us that live in Phoenix sometimes have a, uh, a reputation of being a little on the hick side, but we're not quite that bad. <laughs> I think if something does come up that Casey has done something wrong and we're taking money that maybe isn't so-called clean money or whatever, a lot of us are really going to be hurt because we had a lot of faith in him. I think even even the, the point we're at now, there's a lot of embarrassed faces around that we haven't asked as many, any more questions than we have. Maybe we don't want to know what's really going on. This has not been an ordinary story of corruption. The people of Princeton caught up in Casey's ventures are, so far as we could tell, honest, trusting people, nice people. They believe, some still do, that Casey's gifts were good for the town. 
but the gifts have come at a cost to Princeton. The city's government, its youth hockey association, many of its people find themselves in debt to a man whose past, whose source of income, and whose integrity are suspect, dependent on an imposter for the operation of their airport and even their police cars. People like Sam Haggerty have invested their trust in a man who deals in lies. And people like Cheryl have been led to admire a man who is under investigation for drug smuggling. Casey's favors may have cost Jerry Davis his job. And there is friction now between those who question Casey's money and motives and those who continue to trust him. Princeton will emerge from the Casey crisis intact, no doubt, a little wiser than before and a little sadder. And the rest of us are left to wonder how we would act if Casey had come to our town. Very good. Thank you, Don. So, <clears throat> quite the story, huh? $2.5 million. Hey, that, that, you know what trips me out about all of this? Is the simple fact of that sometimes these people don't care where the money comes from as long as they have money. And I really, I, it just blew my mind. It, it, it blew my mind. And then as this, <laughs> right, right. And as this the story has, as I researched it more and and, and more, um, you know, I, I come to find out about the two DEA agents I put up here, uh, John Bolger and Michelle Lionheart. Look those names up because it, it really blew my mind of how much they came up in big cases in, in Minnesota with the the leader of the American Indian movement. Um, and, and what's crazy is I didn't know what officers and, and how that all went down. I, I just knew when it came to Clyde um, that he was railroaded. And you know, it's I can I can see that. You know what I'm saying? Uh this, yeah. And and what's crazy, uh, Mike, is just tune in for the rest of the week because I'll tell you right now, today, if y'all thought today was a holy shit day, you have not even seen. This is just an appetizer. <laughs> this is y'all gonna want the full, the full course meal with this because I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to, as the week goes on, every day is going to be more and more and more information. You're going to find out about that, you know, the device lords are going to come up. You're going to hear pastors' names come up. You're going to hear uh, police officers, attorney generals. Um, this, I'm telling you, and, and it's gone on for years. You're going to hear nonprofit organization leaders. You're going to hear people uh, testifying at Senate meetings. You, you're you're going to see all of that. And I don't want people to be like, oh, no, nah, that's not true. Yes, it is. 
all of this has been going on for years, right? And I'm glad that people are waking up. People, they kind of are, but they really aren't. Because I'll tell you right now, there's a lot of people that sell, that sit out here and say that they're woke or that they see what's going on in our community, but yet don't call it out. Because at the end of the day, you take stuff from those people. So, of course, you're not going to call it out, right? You, of course, you're not going to call it out. We're going to get into that, too, because that story, the Jerry Half story, is, is going to be talked about this week uh, because that does play a critical part in um, this story. It, it does play a part in this story. And uh, this might this is going to be more than a week of shows talking about this because there's literally this is years, years of. that this shit's been going on. I'm talking about years, years. And a lot of this is already, you know what's crazy is, I don't even know how to, I don't even know how to say this because to, you know what, what trips me out is, I see people arguing And, and calling each other names. But yet when it comes to actually doing solutions, actually trying to solve the problem, actually preventing shit, we don't get anywhere. We don't get anywhere. Because what's crazy is, um, there's a lot in, uh, 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 Tomorrow, I'm going to get into North Minneapolis. Um, and Wednesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, whatever days Robert can be available, he'll be on uh, with me. And so I want people to pay attention to that because tomorrow I'm going to be talking about North Minneapolis. And I'm going to show y'all the highs, the lows, the bloods, and then, but not also, I'm not just going to show you, though, I'm going to show you the Somalians, I'm going to show you the Native Americans, because they all have their own gang fractions, right? So I'm going to show you how all of this breaks down, because all of this shit, all of this shit is links together with with history from the the the, the ale flowers to the, the the police chief booker t hodges the shit's insane to lisa clemens to the metro violent task force to the crack team to special investigator andrew schroeder What's that one detective's name that I always be on uh that 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 forty eight hours shit on uh A and E? Oh, I forget his name. He do all the big murder homicide cases. The old fucker. Uh, damn, I forget his name. Hit me up, Mike. I seen your comment. 
hit me up. I don't know what big decision you got to make, sir, but if you need to to talk about it, hit me up. Because I'm always here, man. I. But yeah, the, the history goes on years and years and years and years, right? And, and it really tripped me out that people that, you know, they knew he had an FBI warrant, that he had an FBI warrant, that he was being investigated for all types of things, and yet the city still took money from him. The city, it, the police department took cars from him. They, the city almost took a computer system from this man that he would have control over. That he would be able to see the things that they were doing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It, it, it trips me out because I'll tell you right now, it's no different than what we have right now with Mayor Frey, with Governor Walls, because they know what's going on. They know what's going on in our black community. They know what's going on in North Minneapolis. They know what's going on in St. Paul. Do you think they care? No, because they're handlers, right? Their handlers tell them, don't worry about it. We got it. We got it. We'll, we'll make something. We'll do a big old sweep. We'll make sure you, you get a good article in the news. That's why you've seen all, all of those, uh, when they did the drug bust, especially when it came to the FBI and Luger. Because I'll tell you right now, Luger ain't no better. Not, uh, that, that's what's crazy. That's why I say there is no good cops in a racist system, and especially in a broken system. Especially in a broken system. You know what I'm saying? Because I, I will say this. I, I, to look at these people like Mary Mortary, right, to look at you know, people that say they're out here for change, but yet don't call out the system. Because here's the crazy thing. Why hasn't Mary called out Amy Klobuchar? Why hasn't she called out Amy Klobuchar? Why aren't her colleagues, right? Why aren't some of the biggest attorneys in Minnesota calling out Amy Klobuchar. I, I, I want to know because you don't ever see police call out other police. So why would you think that anything, that's what's crazy because I want people to think about this. Mary Mortary has not called out Amy Klobuchar. And they agreed with the judge that it was a crooked case. That they railroaded Marvin. And there was prosecutorial misconduct. Nobody's calling him Amy Klobuchar. Nobody's calling out Amy. And she's on the ballot this year. She's on the ballot. I'm going to see how much black lives really matter in November. Because I want people to remember this shit. 
I want people to remember because there should be no way in hell that Joe Biden or Donald Trump become president. Biden is the reason why we have mass incarceration. The 1994 crime bill. Trump wanted public execution of five black teenagers, of innocent black teenagers. The Central Park Five. So please don't, you can't forget these people's history, right? I'm not calling Trump racist. No, I'm, I'm not, I won't go that far. But he's an evil man and won't even apologize. Won't even apologize. The same thing with Amy Klobuchar. If we're going to really hold the system accountable, let's hold it accountable, but let's hold everybody involved accountable, right? Right? For real. Because you literally had people that were paid for bad tips to come testify all on a Bible. They could they put their hand, do you swear to tell the truth, nothing but the truth, so help you God? You either on God's side or the other side. There's no more in the fence. That's why I really stopped messing with a lot of people because there's so many people on the fence. There's so many people on the fence. They don't they don't know which way they're shaking. Because it, 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 it's like, you know, I think about that, that Janet Jackson song. What have you done for me lately? Because that, that's literally what I, 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 I see. Bro, Ben, bro, oh my, I've been, but you know why she doesn't? Because she they're paid the same thing. Here's the crazy thing, right? And they get mad when I say this, right? The the creative bully, the DA Bullocks, the, the, the Listen Media, all of them, Hughes Media, all of them, they won't cover the real shit. All because at the end of the day, they're nonprofits and they get their money either from the Minneapolis Foundation or they get it from all these other places that have politics involved. So, of course, they're going to they're going to sit the fuck down. They're going to sit the fuck down and shut the fuck up. That's why Georgia only does certain stories. If it's why didn't we hear anything about her with the feet in our future? Because I'll tell you right now that there's literally enough paperwork that you with from feeding our future transcripts that you can connect half the black community to fraudulent behavior through Sharon Ross. And and do you think she wanted to cover that? Nope. Why isn't she calling out Amy Klobuchar? Because at the end of the day, the Democrats pay her. They pay her. You look up any of this shit that I'm saying, I, this is why them, them groups don't talk. And they only stick to certain things. I'm telling you right now, I was involved in that police brutality movement. You know how many times we wanted to go to Keith Ellison's house? And they and they stopped it? And they stopped it? They didn't even want us going to Kim Potter's house. They didn't even want us going to Kim Potter's house. But we went. Our leaders ain't leaders. Because I'm telling you, they would they be out there talking about by any means necessary? That's bullshit.
That's bullshit. They don't stand behind the people that be by any means necessary. They don't. Because that shit scares them. That's why I'm telling you right now, if there was to be a civil war kicked off, right? And, and, and I'm going to be 100% honest with y'all. If there was a civil war that was kicked off right now, I can tell you right now that most of your BLM leaders are going to be in the house. They're not going to be front lines. Because none of them were front lines during the riots. Right? None of them are front lines when, I'll tell you right now, I got more videos of track stars that when the shit gets real, that your so-called leaders run. They run. They, You know what's craziest? I've literally seen it where our so-called leaders won't even try to grab a child out of the way, but make sure they get out of the way of a car. And this is on video. And people didn't say shit, but it's protect our kids. Come on, man. Y'all's a crack. Y'all's a crock of shit. Full of shit. Y'all shit stinks so bad. This whole fucking movement shit stinks. On both sides of it. I, this whole thing right now with black people, I'm going to be 100% honest. Because we have more reasons to be divided than then to be united. And people don't even want to see it. Because we're too undereducated. Right now, you you literally in St. Louis Park, motherfuckers don't even know what a jurier is, but ready to fight about it. We so fucked up about what are you? Are you a black American? You African American? You a Negro? You foundational? What what is you, nigga? Just know that we can all be 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 united. It don't matter where we come from, because I'll tell you at the end of the day. We all have the same stories, but different walks of life. Different walks of life. So I want people to remember that. Because I'll tell you right now that, I and I don't want nobody to see this as hateful, right? But I'll tell you right now that most of our leaders that are out here fighting for the causes of black Americans ain't black Americans. They not. And, and it's sad to me. It's sad to me because I'll, I'll tell you right now that I love my African brothers and sisters. But when it comes to reparations, when it comes to the black American fight, just sit down. Because I, at the end of the day, I don't care about you, what you do for your people, but let me help mine, uplift mine. Because we're not BIPOC. We're not POC, right? We got to stop letting these people call us what they want to call us. That's not the way it should be, man. I, I want people to know that because when it, when it comes to the, and, and I wanted to show this, but, and this is the reason why I wanted to talk about uh, this, especially today, and, and it's going on this week is because I'm tired of the divide. It's time to, it's, it's time to start calling out the real problems, right? It's time to eliminate the gatekeeping. It's time to eliminate the classism the rankism, the colorism, 
the ageism, the sexism. It's time to get rid of all of that and see what we really are and just understand that we all have different walks of life, right? And I want people to do their history, figure out where you come from. Figure out where you come from. Are you an African descent of slavery? Are you an immigrant? Because at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter to me. But please understand that when it comes to my lineage, my people were here, were enslaved. And I know that for a fact. So, you know, and that's what's crazy to me because we got these house niggas. These house niggas, because this 2024, I'm not letting crackheads speak for me. I'm not letting Pookie, right? We all know who Pookie is from New Jack City. I'm not letting Pookie talk for me no more, right? I'm not letting the nigga that's sitting on the corner drinking Mad Dog 2020 or, or Four Loco talk for me anymore. I'm not. Why do we keep on allowing them type of people to talk for us? The pedos, right? <laughs> y'all want to call me all type of names. I don't see y'all definitely nowhere out here calling them. That Y'all vote for them, though. Y'all will literally talk shit about me and go vote for them. Make it make sense why they mess with peddling little kids. Peddling little kids. Our government does that. I want y'all to think about that. Because if it don't make dollars, it don't make sense. And y'all talk about by any means necessary. That's how I know all these people, a lot of, we have a lot of complicit, I must say aiding and abetting politicians, community leaders, all for this, the simple fact they get paid. They get paid to look the other way. They get paid to be okay with it. That's what, a, that's what putting that dress on is. It's about holding your, they caved in because a man who falls for anything stands for nothing. And that's what we see is a lot of people standing for nothing because they fall for anything. They fall for anything. They say they out, they stay, they say they out here standing for something, right? But what do they stand for? Because where have we gotten? Where have we gotten? Homelessness is worse. Police brutality is even worse. You know what's crazy is how are we going to have a whole police brutality movement and police brutality gets worse every year? Make that motherfucking make sense to me. How? <laughs> that's crazy. You know, they, oh, they definitely like brainwashed. And that's what they, they don't even understand. Because it's literally, I see people out here talking about, oh, uh, uh, uh. Fuck Trump, I'm voting for Biden. Like, Biden's any better, goofy. Like, make it make sense. Make it make sense. And that's what you literally have. You literally have some entertainers, right, that are out here saying, oh, go Biden. Go vote Biden, right? Go vote for Biden for what? That's what I'll never understand. Go vote for Biden for what? That old man need to go sit in a nursing home and chill, go have some ice cream and jello and just chill, go play some cards or something, go golfing. I don't know. 
go enjoy retirement because he definitely don't need to be writing legislation. And that's what's so crazy to me, right? Is how do, why, I, I want people to think about this, right? Is why would you want somebody in office that can't write their own legislation? They can't do their own research. This man can barely remember his name or his job sometimes. This is, we we literally have somebody that runs our country executively and barely doesn't even know what he does at, that he's the president. I'm in charge of Senate. My name is Joseph Biden. And then that's that. We know what's even crazier to me is how do we got, why are we electing politicians that can't even control what goes on in their own home? That's what, that's what's crazy because I'll tell you right now that the more I look into these politicians and then I look into their kids, I don't know how the hell we vote for any of these people. Hunter Biden, a crackhead. Ashley Biden was a hoe. What's the, the Bushes? Oh my Lord, the shit that the, the, the George Bush girls went through, Jenna and the other Bush. Oh Lord. Only ones that didn't even really have no scandals was the Obama kids. And that's because they were young. Everybody else kids that had some kind of scandal. Even Clinton, Chelsea Clinton. Telling you, man, this shit, that, that should be sick. Be sick as hell. Sick as hell. Uh, but like I say, man, come back tomorrow. Same time, 9 o'clock. We're going to talk about Minneapolis. We're going to talk about North Minneapolis. And I'm going to show you all this, gangs. I'm going to show you all a time period during Minneapolis. Uh, I'm also going to talk about a current period where there was a lot of uh, deaths. There was a lot of shootouts. But this goes into context as well. So I want to, we're going to get into some context and we're going to show y'all what Minneapolis is, is about, who runs Minneapolis, who runs Minnesota. Detroit boys, they haven't, that does come up. Uh, and, and see, that's the thing of it is, it's like during the 90s, the Detroit boys, like they were in Minneapolis and St. Paul, but they really stayed in a, the smaller areas, right? Because I've seen the Detroit boys more in like, you know, lacrosse, Sioux Falls, Jackson, Owatonna. They stayed along that not like 90 instead of that 94. That's what I've seen anyways. But during the 90s, because I mean, especially in Red Wing too. Because of the the the, the 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 casino, but we're gonna talk about that because we're gonna talk about the game, how it's not just Bloods, Crips, Vice Lords, GDs. <laughs> There's a whole bunch of other shit. So uh, we're gonna get into context of that. So come back tomorrow, nine o'clock, nine a.m. Be here. Be square. Y'all have a great Monday. Thank you for, for this 
hour and, and 12 minutes. Sorry for going over. But I feel like this is a topic that needs to be discussed. And we're going to get into it deeper because I want to show people. I want to show people that our government is corrupt uh, and that the only people that are going to save us is us. So when I fail, freedom or jail, heaven or hell, wish me well. Y'all have a great one. Every day, fighting for my life. Every day, fighting for my life. Fighting for my life. Every day.